Welcome to another Metrospective, Pete McCarthy with Tim Britton. And Tim, who's going to own the New York Mets? It seems to change by the day, and now it's uh, it's like Jock Jam getting involved with Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, you know, you can get Brian Urlacher and Travis Kelsey and Bradley Beal. Those are the guys we thought, you know, if you were like, you were bringing together a dream team of professional athletes, those were the three you had in mind, right? Mm. The the common bond between them uh, and their longtime connection with the Mets, with A-Rod. It's, it just seems like such a, a, a weird, amorphous group of, of people. Yeah, like, could it have been David Wright or, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes? Guys have some connections to the franchise. Donovan Mitchell. Right. You know, when a, if you had told me like, oh, a, a Kansas City chief is interested in being part of the group, I would have thought it was the one who signed the biggest deal in NFL history and grew up around the Mets clubhouse. That I mean, it's probably unreasonable of me to make that assumption that, no, it would be the, the tight end instead. Uh, but yeah, it would have I think it would have been a little bit more invigorating for the fan base if if it were guys who had more of a connection to the team uh, than than this group. Smart money, your money, still on Steve Cohen. What do you think? As some of the reports have said that Jeff Wilpon just doesn't really want to sell it to, to Cohen and will take a slightly lesser deal uh, to have it go to A-Rod, J-Lo, or whoever else is in the mix. Yeah, I mean, I think in any of these, the smart money is on the person with the most money, and that's Cohen. Really, uh, you know, the way he doesn't become owner of the Mets is if the Wilpons or if Major League Baseball specifically doesn't want him to own the Mets uh, and, and sells elsewhere at a lower price. It's hard to imagine him being outbid at all. Uh, and even if you say, you know, he's willing to bid $2 billion and and Alex Rodriguez's group or, or Josh Harris's group gets up there at $1.9 or something that gets close, it just seems like he's got it within him to go, okay, I'll go to 2.3, I'll go to 2.6, I'll go to 3. Like... Uh, so, you know, if you set a percentage, we need we need someone to be 85, 90 percent of what he's bidding. It seems like he can just put that denominator out there as far as he wants to uh, to drive it up or to, you know, to to get the team himself. And it seems like it's going to happen now. Right. You have enough people involved. The money based on the report seems to be up around two billion dollars. Seems like there's enough there that you could say the Mets are going to be sold at some point here. Yeah, and actually, that, that's a really good point that I hadn't hadn't thought about as much. Uh, that you know, we've we've spent so much time going back to December talking about this possibility, and especially since the Cohen stuff fell through in I guess that was February, late January. Um, you know, the, the question has been like, when is this going to happen? Uh, you know, is it going to happen by next spring training? I remember us talking to to Jeff Wilpon at Clover Park when he's showing us around everything and all the new stuff there. And someone asked, has it crossed your mind that this might be your last spring training here? Uh, and it, it hadn't crossed Jeff's mind. And I don't think it had crossed a lot of our minds that that might be the case. Uh, and now we're getting to the point where it seems pretty likely uh, that this team is going to be sold, um, you know, imminently is probably means like in the next couple of weeks. But I think, you know, in 2020, uh, I, I think we can say that with more confidence now than probably at any point since since things fell fell through back in the the off season. Despite a global pandemic, despite no fans at games this season, and maybe because of those things to some degree, uh, speeding up the process here. But 
it looks like it's going to happen. I know that's good news for some, if not many, uh, Mets fans. And then well, more good news. Johannes Cespedes proclaims himself ready to go come opening day and that he could play the outfield as well if that comes up, is what he said. <laughs> uh, and I guess he played an inning there in a simulated game this weekend. But for Johannes Cespedes, uh, we've talked about it. He's been the talk of camp, whatever you want to call it, for the Mets here. Uh, but that's that's it's, it's good to hear that kind of confidence from Ioannis Cespedes and uh, he, he seems to be motivated and he has reason to with the contract but also just to work his way back from what had to have been a hellish couple of years uh, and it's been years now that he's been working his way back right you think about it uh, I'd have to look at the exact date of his last major league game it, it's it right around the two-year mark at this point um, you know when he, he played at Yankee Stadium uh, in that one game back. Uh, and, you know, he, he said it uh, when we talked to him on, I forget if that was Friday or Saturday, uh, that this break was really beneficial for him, uh, not just to get him healthy, uh, but you've got to think to have the opportunity just to be a designated hitter really changes the the value he has for this team. Because, you know, we've seen him in the outfield probably more than I expected to in training camp. He's been out there doing some drills. He, he, he's played there in sim games. Uh, but I, I think he kind of threw cold water on the idea of him playing there regularly when he's like, yeah, I can play there if that comes up, you know, and, and even Luis Rojas has said, we've had him out there, but the defense is still pretty far behind where he is offensively. Uh, and even base running is, is more advanced than, than where he is defensively. So I, I wouldn't expect to see him. I, I think it's likelier that he plays no games in the outfield than it is that he plays like more than half the time in the outfield. Uh, but just the fact that we're, we're talking about, like, that's the conversation. Can he play the outfield versus uh, can he play at all shows how much mm. progress he's made because that's a big bat for them in the middle of that order. Uh, if he looks the way he's looked now, you know, it might be a lower average than I think we're used to seeing from Cespedes, but I think the power is certainly there. When he gets a hold of one, he, he hits it as far as anyone. Smelling good is important. You feel good when you smell good. You know when it's a little funky. Sometimes you got to make things work. Hawthorne. It smells good. I mean, that's what matters. It makes you smell good. Your clothes smell good. All of it. Check out Hawthorne Cologne, and they will actually hook you up with the perfect scent for you. Take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you which colognes are best for you. So you don't have to look around and be confused. Try to guess. Spray your wrist, and you got 14 different colognes on you in the store. Just do it all online. They'll tell you what you like, and then you could totally try it out risk-free with free shipping and free returns. You can get one cologne for work, one for play, break it up however you'd like. So check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. And look, it's a different lineup now than you think about what it was two years ago. And it'll be two years in about a week. Uh, July 20th was the 2018 was the last game that Ioannis Cespedes played in. But now, he's not the only right-handed power bat, has to do it all. If you want a Cespedes goes 0 for 4, 
the Mets still have the ability to put up four or five runs, whereas that would have seemed virtually impossible uh, in years past. And having Pete Alonso there, I guess the Mets quite the one-two punch. They probably wouldn't even bat next to each other in the lineup, being that they are both right-handed. But he doesn't have to be the guy offensively every single day. Right. You know, it's not like, oh, if, if, if Cespedes is what he was at the end of 2015, then this offense is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he is, uh, I think I mentioned it a few weeks back, if he's, you know, a, a guy with an OPS plus of 115 or so. Uh, if he could bat fifth, if he could yeah, carry the yeah, fifth spot in the order, that would be tremendous. You're thinking Nimmo, McNeil, Alonzo, Conforto, Cespedes, something like that. Uh, yeah. And then you're, you're pushing Wilson Ramos and J.D. Davis and Ahmed Rosario uh, and Robinson Cano down to the, the back four of the lineup. That's, that's a pretty good lineup and a pretty deep lineup, certainly deeper than we're used to seeing from the Mets and, and, and as deep as they've had probably since, you know, 99, 2000, those teams, maybe 06. Um, but, you know, the, he doesn't have to be the savior in the middle of the order the way he was in 2015, the way he was for a lot of 2016. Uh, he's got, he, he can just be kind of the complementary piece. And I think that's, it's much easier to imagine him being that than than being this this all 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 important guy that he had been in the past. Absolutely, not unlike the role maybe of Robinson Cano at this point after such a disappointing debut season with the Mets in 2019, and you know Cano will probably hit the bottom third of the lineup. That is, if he's out there, as he's been absent for quite a while at Mets camp, is there is there any insight as to what is happening with Cano? Yeah, you know, he hasn't been there for, I think it's five or six days. The team was off on Monday, so, so no one was there. Um, but, you know, this is the, the weird part of reporting this year is, you know, the Mets are, have said he's not here, uh, and they won't say why. Uh, it could be a, a testing holdup. It could be a positive test. It could be uh, exposure to someone else. Uh, and, and a need for isolation. I think the longer it goes, the more you think it's it's uh, a positive test himself. But you know, there was was it Aaron Nola or, or Adam Hazley uh, in Philly's camp who like he missed time because they misplaced his test results or they never got test results back. Uh, so yeah, that happened a- with Alex Bregman too. He missed one day because his test results didn't come back in time. Yeah, so I mean that it's been close to a week suggests it's it's not that. But I think you're getting to the point in camp now where you've got to start thinking about, you know, is he going to be ready for opening day? The other guys who haven't been in camp, Brad Brock and Jared Hughes, you're getting to that point also. But at least they're relievers. If they show up on Tuesday and have 10 days, uh, they can get into reasonable form. I think it's tougher for a hitter. I don't, I don't know if Cano saw live pitching over the break, I think that's the toughest part for hitters to get back seeing 98 miles an hour in the box uh, as opposed to a pitching machine or just BP. Uh, so I think it, it might take a little bit longer for him to to ramp up and be actually ready for the season. So I think we're getting to the point where it's, it's maybe more than 50-50 that, that Robinson Cano is not your opening day second baseman. It's just interesting comparing what is happening with the Mets, and we don't know in the case of Robinson Cano, uh, but with the Yankees, you know, they said Aroldis Chapman has a coronavirus, DJ LeMayu, Luis Sessa, uh, you know, other teams have revealed players, and I, maybe it's on the player to say, hey, that's fine if you publicly put my name out there, but the Mets haven't done that with anybody, so are we just looking at basically different teams might have different ways of handling these things? Yeah, you know, ultimately the decision is on the player. Uh, I'm sure teams can 
can push the player one direction or another. I, I don't know that the Mets have uh, with any of the guys who aren't there. And, and like I said, it's possible none of them have actually yeah, tested positive. I, there are other reasons for this. We just don't know for sure. Uh, but it, it is, you know, like we've talked about that the Mets haven't been bogged down by the bad news that other camps, certainly like Atlanta comes to mind probably more than anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Mets haven't been bogged down by that bad news, but part of it is, you know, these guys have been kind of out of sight, out of mind. Uh, yeah, it doesn't and, mean it's not there. And, it doesn't yeah, mean there are it, no issues. It doesn't mean that, that there aren't some negative consequences or ramifications to what's going on for them. And it's an interesting time, too, with players and teams trying to develop chemistry. And uh, you can check out Tim's article on The Athletic, uh, how the Mets are trying to work around some of those things with their social distancing world as we're all living in and have been. Uh, for many months now. But we'll be back with you next edition of the Metrospective on Friday. Always a pleasure, Tim. Adios, Pete.